dive in tonight, I want to move into the Word of God. I want to go into Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 24. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 24. And let me set this passage up. Um, this is the story where Jesus and the disciples get in the boat and they cross to the other side of the lake. Um, Jesus has been ministering. Um, the crowds are pressing in on him. And so he leads the disciples to jump in the boat to go to the other side. And in the middle of this story, I really believe God spoke a word to me for you. Um, and so I want to dive in and I'll, I'll share just a few thoughts that I have. And then I want us just to be ready at the end if maybe we'll jump into some ministry time and let God do what only God can do. Matthew 8, 23 through 24. So this is in verse 23 where it says, Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Now you'll notice Jesus got into the boat. Um, he is going in the boat to cross to the other side. He didn't demand that his disciples following. He got in and they followed him. I love that, how he asked us to follow him. And so he's in the boat and they're going to the other side. Now, you can imagine if you're in a boat with Jesus, the last thing you are thinking about is the next thing is not the next thing we're about to read about. Look in verse 24. He says, suddenly, everybody say that word suddenly. Say it one more time. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon them on the lake. And so it was so bad. Check it out. Look at what it says. The waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Isn't it interesting when God asks you to go somewhere, the last thing you're thinking about is trouble's going to follow me? Jesus is in the boat, and they've seen miracle signs and wonders. So the problem with trouble is that when we're faced with trouble, many times we don't have the right mindset. Because God has sent us on an assignment, we step into a situation, and we're not prepared mentally for what's about to take place. And then we see this storm, and it's not just a little storm. It's a furious storm. It's what they would have called back then a squall, um, and it's suddenly. Isn't that amazing how suddenly, what is suddenly? Suddenly means quickly and unexpectedly. I don't know about you, but I get in a boat with Jesus. I'm not thinking a storm's going to hit, and I'm definitely not thinking that this boat that I'm in is going to take water on, in the boat, and yet that's what's taking place and here's the other thing. If this is going to take place, I think Jesus is going to wake up. Like, come on, somebody. How many of you think that you would sit through a boat ride that is what the Bible calls a furious storm with waves sweeping over? You're probably going to wake up, but that's not the case here with Jesus. It says Jesus was sleeping. He was sleeping. Tonight, I want to talk about when it feels like God is asleep. When it feels like God is asleep. So the storm happens suddenly, happens quickly, happens violently, happens unexpectedly. And, you know, as I, as I just have been reading through this passage, and this is something God's been dealing with me, not because I came to preach to you, it's because I'm walking through it. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, you know, I'm in the middle of a situation right now, currently I am, 
And I'm like, God, hello, where are you? Like, God, I'm praying, but I don't feel you. I'm listening, but I don't hear you. I'm looking, but I don't see you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a situation where you're like, God, are you asleep? I mean, what in the world is happening? And what I have to remind myself is this, is that God never promised us a life without problems. He never promised us that he would talk to us. He never promised he would wake up. He just promised he would never leave us. And I think sometimes when he doesn't wake up, we respond in a negative light. And it begins to shape our life. And it's not shaped by his presence. It's shaped by the condition of our soul. So the truth is, our life wouldn't be what it is if we responded correctly. And so even here we see what's, what's the invitation that he is asking, or how did the disciples respond? Look, look at how the disciples respond in verse 25, Matthew 8, 25. It's fascinating. He's in the boat, waves are crashing in, and their response is not one of calm, it's not one of faith, it's not one of confidence, it's not one of self-assurance or even assurance in God. It is to go and wake Jesus up as if he has no clue, as if he is out of control. Now, you got to remember, like for us, they have seen the miracles. They have seen the signs. They have seen the wonders. They have affirmed in their hearts, like, this is the Son of God. They know who he is, and yet they're going to go into this situation with the mentality that he is going to let them die. Think about that. Look, look at what happens. He says, this is the way he said. Wake him up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Lord, save us. We are going to drown. That's a perspective. How many of you know when you think you're about to drown, you react a whole lot differently than if you think you're in just a little bad boat ride? How many times have you reacted in a way that has brought turmoil and chaos in your life and the devil didn't have to do anything else? had nothing to do with God, had nothing to do with him. It had to simply do with your perspective and how you responded to what you were thinking. And so then this is what's fascinating in, in verse 26. He says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, what in the world are you thinking? And I don't understand. I'm confused because I'm afraid there's a storm. That's why. And then he gets up and he just kind of leaves the question. I can imagine him not even looking for the answer because he didn't. Have you ever had a rhetorical question asked? Like someone asked you a question, but they didn't really want you to respond. I think that's how Jesus, we don't hear a response. He asks a question and he addresses the situation. So then what does he say? He rebukes the wind and the waves and it's completely calm. It's amazing that as suddenly as the storm began, suddenly the storm ends. So there's a good suddenly, and then there's a not so good suddenly. And what we see is that God has the power to calm any storm the devil brings in your life. But sometimes God doesn't want to calm the storm on the outside. He wants to calm the storm that's on the inside. And he's allowing them to walk through this situation because God wants them to see that though you face storms in life, there are actually two responses to every storm that you face. There's your response, and then there's my response, and you can see God's response in the way that Jesus responds. And then, of course, they're in awe. Okay, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? And it's, 
interesting when you look at this, it's like, didn't Jesus care? Like, where's the compassion? Where's the concern? I mean, didn't the disciples just do what is normal? Right? I mean, how many know that's not abnormal? Have you ever been rebuked for doing something that everybody else is doing? It's like, what are you talking about? Everybody acts that way. The problem is, you're not everybody. The problem is, I'm not everybody. There is a God that lives on the inside of us, and we are not to respond as the world responds, but we're to respond the way that God responds. And so God is saying, look, you, you don't have to respond the way everybody else does. In fact, I'm going to show you and teach you a better way. And now I want to go into Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark 4, 35. This is the same story, but Mark gives us a little bit more detail. Now, if you're brand new to the faith, I always recommend people go into the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because that is really the life of Jesus and the story of Jesus here on earth told from four different perspectives. So many times uh, you will see one story in one uh, gospel and then it's told another. But they bring out different facets that create a better picture for us. And so what we're going to see is the exact same story. But we're going to lean into some different details that are going to help us if we are in a moment in our life right now where it feels like God is asleep. Okay, look at verse 35. Same situation. Well, we can go into, well, let's just read it. That day when the evening came, he came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. Sounds just like the other one. So that it was nearly swamped. You see how that's a little bit different? Not just waves, but they've been taking on some water. Anybody's life feel like it's about to sink? Been taking on some, not just waves, but it's like, man, there's a whole lot of water up in my ship. Well, we see that. Then it says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? It's another facet. They're not saying we're going to drown and just the perspective of dying. It's the perspective of God you don't even care. You see how it's just a little bit of a deeper perspective. And so, so the facet that we're looking at here is not just the mentality of a result of a storm, but it's the disposition of how God thinks about you and whether or not God cares about you in the middle of the storm. Okay. Says he got up. Well, of course Jesus cares. He gets up, he rebukes the wind, and, the, and says to the waves, be still, or quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Then they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind, the waves obey him. So as I've been reading this, and going on my own journey, how could Jesus not be affected by the storm? Because I don't know about you, we all have storms. I'm in the middle of a storm in one area of my life. Not all areas, but one area. And I'll tell you about it when it's done. I'm not going to tell you about it now. People know, but I'm in the middle of it. And I'm like, God, where, where are you? I don't hear you. I don't see you. I don't feel you in this area. You know, sometimes you see God in other areas. You're like, God, are you aloof? Are you sleeping? 
how could Jesus be in the middle of the storm and not be affected or distraught and the, the storm didn't impact him the way it impacts the disciples? Because I don't know about you, but storms tend to have an impact on me. I know I'm a pastor, but I'm also a person. And this is what I've learned. The less a storm impacts my life, the stronger of a person I really am. And, and as we grow in our maturity with God, big storms ought to be able to come, but I am not moved because I've learned some principles to walk through the storm. Not to minimize the storm or get rid of all storms because that's impossible, but I'm not going to allow a storm to ruin my life. You see what I'm saying? So how is it? Because when we look at just... just Let's, let's just look at the two responses. Jesus is asleep and the disciples are freaking out. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's how many in the middle of a storm you're like, because you got to go back and evaluate sleep. You don't sleep if you're anxious, if you're full of worry and fear and, right? How many have ever had anxiety? Like something's happening at the, at the job or some, maybe your family or your marriage. How many know you just don't sleep well? But we see Jesus sleeping really well. I don't know about you. When I sleep well, it's only because I have peace. So Jesus is filled with peace. And he is not only filled, but it's total peace. Like, like the waves. He's not even concerned. Like, have you? It is absolutely amazing to see that he could live like that act like that and even exist like that in the middle of a storm it's peace he had total faith in God he feels comfortable think about this he feels safe I mean no if you don't feel safe you sleep with one eye open you know about you ever slept at a place you're like I'm not sure how safe this is and you just kind of <laughs> so in the middle of his storm Jesus felt safe how many of us in the middle of our storm feel safe not that, and he did, he would not ignorant, I'm sure. He just felt safe. Well, because he understood the power of God. Here's what I would tell you the condition of his soul determined his response to his environment. The condition of his soul determined his response to his environment. Now, conversely, in the middle of the storm, let's look at the Disciples, the what disciples? Disciples are filled with fear, anxiety, insecurity. I mean, we see this all throughout the text because here's what happens. They say, don't you care? We're going to drown. You can't have those perspectives. I mean, if you value life, if you want to live, I mean, no, you cannot not be anxious, not have anxiety, not walk with fear. And so they do. And here's what I would say about the disciples. The condition of their environment determined the condition of their soul. You see, the difference, see, Jesus, his soul determined the way he responded to what was happening. The disciples... Whatever was happening around them determined the condition of their soul. So in other words, I'd say it like this. They were outward focused where Jesus was inward focused. They drew their strength around the safety of the boat, the safety of the wind, the safety of the waves. So as long as there was no wind and no waves and no storm, they felt good. 
How many times have we been pacified by the enemy, the surroundings, the environment because of the condition? We let the condition satisfy our soul and let of, instead of letting our soul be satisfied in God. And Jesus just understood, I don't care what happens out there. What I got to be able to do is control what happens in here. And if I do that, it changes the way I respond to what's happening around us. So, and here's what I would tell you. If you want to see the condition of your soul, listen to the words of your mouth. Not the situation you're walking in. What words do you say? Because, see, I, I can look at this and we can look at the text. Well, what do we see? Don't you care? We're going to drown. If you want to see the condition of your soul, let me just get around you when you're just talking about that situation. And I'll begin to have insight into how your soul is really. Not the smile on your face that you put on when you walk to church, but how your soul is when you lay your head down on your pillow at night to go to sleep. And so I know sometimes it's hard because it's like, well, I'm, I believe, yeah, but I, I know that's what you say here because that's what we like everybody to, but what are you saying to your best friend, to your husband, to your children? And this is where we got to just be real careful. I, I appreciate reality, but reality is just this temporal fact. I want the eternal facts. This temporal situation does not supersede God's facts. So acknowledge what you're walking through, but don't allow that to be the story of your life. The story of my life is what God says. So I'm not asking us to, no, it would be foolish for Jesus to say, what storm? He didn't say what storm. He said, peace be still. He didn't go in and try to put his head in the sand and ignore what was happening. He identified what was happening, but he had the power to speak to what was happening. So here's my question for us, and I, and I just have a few things. I'm not going to talk much longer, but just a couple of things that I, I identified for me. Well, let me give you this passage, too, about your mouth. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, go to the last portion of it. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's how come I'm telling you, it's, it's the most interesting thing. If you want to know the condition of someone's heart, just ask questions. Just get around them when, when they don't know anybody's, you know, around them and not filtering their words. And you'll begin to have a real picture of what their thought or their heart, the condition of the heart is. Okay, so here's three things that I think if we're asking, how was Jesus filled with peace in the middle of the storm? What do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of the storm? How is it that we can respond like Jesus? Here's three things. Number one, the reason Jesus could respond the way he did with the peace of God was because his mind was fixed on God. It's his mind. So look at Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect, everybody say that next word. Say it one more time. All who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And I know you probably are, Pastor, I know all this. Well, well, okay. But how much of it do we actually live out? Because the reality is you want to respond to the situation with a heart filled with peace. The question is, what do you allow your mind to think about? 
Are you allowing yourself to think about the word of God and all that he says about your situation? Or is the only input that comes into your mind what the world says, what Sister Awesome says, what your mom says, what your friend says? And and those things can all be good. But can I tell you, there comes a point in the middle of your storm, you better get what God says. Because God's word is what changes my mind. And the only way to have full peace is to say, God, what do you say? And let that Here's what I like to say. Let it brainwash you. Because here, I'm not trying to respond like the world. God knows the world is lost. God knows too many Christians in the church are lost. I'm trying to respond in a way that God, my life, would point people to you. People say, how could you walk through that and live the way you do? It's because the peace of God passes all understanding in my life. And I've learned to respond like Jesus in the middle of my storm. So acknowledge, here's what I would tell you. Acknowledge your reality without agreeing with the enemy. So acknowledge it. Look, I, I, I understand because here's what can happen. You know, that suddenly storm in your life. I understand you went to the doctor to get just an annual checkup and the doctor says, hey, you've got cancer. How I many know that's a suddenly storm? That'll radically change your life forever. You walk out and your whole life was going in this direction. And now you realize you got to go in this direction. And so a suddenly storm has come and presented itself in your life. And the reality is, understand there is a diagnosis of cancer. But I also understand Isaiah 53, 5, which says, by his stripes, I am healed. And so I choose to live in the peace of God and allow his word to cause me to respond the way Jesus did. I'm going to sleep. How are you asleep? Well, because my God's the healer. Yeah, I'm going to do whatever the doctor says. I'm going to do, okay, cool. But I know this, it's going to take more than what the doctor can do to heal what God wants to do in my body. So listen, I know there may have been a storm where you lost your job. You walk in and you're doing a one-on-one with your boss and it's like, hey, what's up, boss? And he's like, hey, you're fired. Come on, anybody's like, whoa, that is a suddenly storm. It's like, man, what in the world am I going to do? My whole world has been turned upside down. Well, you go to Philippians 4.13, that my God, Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't matter the storm that just presented itself in my life. My God will supply all of my needs, not according to my job, but according to his riches. The mind of Christ fixed on God's word. I know you've got a son or a daughter that's lost. So you go to Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You you understand? I understand they ended up in jail. I understand they, they woke up and they're strung out on drugs. I understand the fact. Let's acknowledge the fact. But I choose to let my mind dwell on the word of God, which brings the peace of God. Don't you care about them? Absolutely. And the best thing I can do is respond the way Jesus would. You getting all freaked out in that situation is not going to help anybody. What do you need? You need the peace of God, the power of God, the presence of God. Then you walk in that situation, you say, peace, be still. Why? Because the power of God is in your life. It's active. Here's the second thing. Jesus' will was submitted to God. So here's what I, I think we have to, it goes, it, it has to go 
from more than just your mentality, your mindset, your thoughts. Now your will has to be submitted to God. Mark chapter 14, verse 36, this is the passage where Jesus is in the garden. And, you know, thank you, Pastor Jolea, for bringing us into the moment of communion. And in that moment before the cross, Jesus is sweating great drops of blood. And what's happening in the garden is he is wrestling in his hour of storm. He knows the storm is upon him. And he is wrestling back and forth. And now he's got to actually submit his will to the will of the Father. And it's such a powerful example for us because you'll never have the peace of God until you submit to the will of God because otherwise you will constantly be fighting the situation on the outside because here's, here's what will happen. What will happen is this. Hold, hold on that just for, just for a second. Y'all hold on me just a second because I don't want to ramp it up just yet because we are going to go there, so just give me a second. The, the reason why it's so important is because this, I know you got dreams. I got dreams. I know you got hopes. I got hopes. But what we don't ultimately know is God's perfect will for your life. It's a mystery. And so here's what will happen. Check it out. You'll get the mind of God. You'll get his scripture, the word of God. Now, I think there are some things that are absolute. But let me tell you this, the dream that I have for this church is not absolute. God didn't walk down and say, here's the dream, thus saith the Lord. It's what I feel. It's what I think I've seen. And what we have to be careful of is that if you don't understand that no matter what I believe I've seen, no matter what I believe I, God's called me to do, if I don't submit to the will of God, what I'll do is I'll use God's word to try to manipulate him. And then you, you do nothing more than try to manipulate God instead of submit to God. And say, well, God, I didn't think it was going to happen like this. Yet not my will, but your will be done. So then what happens is die or don't, live or not, it doesn't matter because God's got my life in the middle of his hands. Do you understand the difference? The peace comes because here's, here's what will happen is you'll, you'll be like, God, but I'm supposed to do this. And there, there are very few absolutes. Instead of saying, God, I'm going to stand on your word and wherever you send me, I will go. Whatever I have to walk through, I will walk through. And the peace of God now is that God's responsible for your destination, not you trying to manipulate and make it happen. And the peace of God floods your heart. And it's like, cool, okay, God, thank you. Because here's what I wish. I wish suffering wasn't a part of Christianity. I wish martyrdom wasn't a part of Christianity. And I need you to know this. The problem is if you, if you think that this life is all there is, you will begin to not surrender to God's will, but to live your life for your dreams, your hopes, your visions, not recognizing that this life, we're just a puff anyway. It doesn't matter. And God has some people that are going to give their life for him in this life. And think about them, how many hopes and dreams and visions they had. How many woke up and said, hey, I want to be a martyr. No, but here's what they did. And remember, we're talking about peace. Not my will, but your will be done. I submit to it.
I'm going to fight as long as I can fight. I'm going to do as much as I can do. I'm going to go all out everywhere I can. So it doesn't give us the opportunity to step back, shrink back, do nothing. But we ultimately say, God, whatever you want to do. And there, it's, here's how I would, I would do it. It's like a barefooted priest. God, I'm just going to, wherever you lead us, I'm going to do it. And the peace of God will begin to flood your heart as you totally surrender to the will of God in your life. Here's the third thing. Now you guys can come out. I just didn't want to be rushed. Here's the third thing is his emotions were ruled by his spirit. So if you think about him, so Jesus, his mind is fixed on God. His thoughts, we knew that. Then you think about his will is surrendered. But now his emotions are ruled by his spirit. The problem with so many people today is that we allow our emotions to control our lives. So here's what I say. Well, I don't feel it. Well, okay. Now I'm not going to, so, so in, I, I just gave him a, I'm not going to serve because I don't feel like serving. Okay. I don't want to give because I don't feel like giving. Okay. I don't want to get up this morning and pray because I don't feel like it. Okay. What you're doing then is that in the middle of your storm, we're saying that my emotion of how I feel, the feelings, they are the ones that are in control of my life. And then we wonder why we can't respond like Jesus. See, what Jesus says is, no, my spirit is in control. And because my spirit is in control, my emotions will line up with my spirit. And here's what I've found. Your emotions will come and get involved. But they're going to do what I say. And sometimes I don't like it because pain and discipline is always painful. And so when we start our disciplines with God, here's what we say. My spirit is actually going to be the one in charge. And then how many know discipline is never fun at the beginning? But when you see a life that has been disciplined, the fruit of that life, how many can get excited about that? You're like, wow, you know, it wasn't very, it didn't feel good to get debt free. You know, because why? Because you can't go in the mall and buy everything you want. You can't buy everything on Black Friday. So you got to say, I'm going to let my spirit control my appetite and the lust of life. And I'm going to give where God tells me to give. I'm going to save where I need to save. I'm going to pay off debt. And then what will happen is, then there comes a point where you're debt free. Now your emotions get real excited. Oh, we're debt free, baby. But I wonder if we respond like the disciples because we've allowed our emotions to control our lives. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And let me just be real clear on this, too. It's okay to feel emotions. Emotions are from God. Like, I want to feel emotions. I'm not shutting it all down. But again, what I'm going to do is say, God, I'm asking you to give me the ability to let my spirit rule over any emotion that I have. And here's what I have found. The more I practice it, the better I get. The more I do it, the easier it is. It's like you begin to live the life like Jesus. It's like storms can come, but I'm not going to get emotional. Not about the storm. Now, I'm going to get real excited when God does some great things. But when I walk through a storm, I'm not going to go get depressed. Why? Because here's kind of where I fit in on some of it. If I'm not facing a challenge after a little while, I'll get a little nervous if the devil's even looking at me. 
Because how many know when, when the devil's got a bullseye on you, I'm okay with that because my God is greater than the enemy. My God will allow me to walk through this storm. And here's what I know and here's what you need to know. That what the devil meant for evil, God will turn it around for your good. God will exalt you where others are trying to suppress you. God will raise you up and bless you where others are trying to rip you off and to take away from you. And we know that God has the last word. Don't allow what happens around you to determine what happens within you. I wonder if we could just stand up right now and just... Father, we thank you for what you're doing.